This week we read The Lightning Thief Chapter 7 My Dinner Goes Up in Smoke With special guest stars Cheech and Chong Hi, all my buddies. Hi. And welcome back to the Jackson to the only Percy Jackson reread podcast that has to record chapters multiple times because Audacity just hates us personally. I swear uh, to God, did we not just talk about not telling the people this was a re-record? William, how did I lose uh, control I, this quickly? Because, <laughs> uh, uh, as George the Cat says, become unbutterable. Fair uh, enough. How did you re- just appropriate a meme I just told you about? Because I can't be stopped. It's true. Uh, much like uh, a good friend of mine, Casey Hills. Yeah. Can't be stopped. It me. Uh, um, we, we, we can redo that if you want. No! Um, We're not doing a third take on the intro to this episode, William! No, hello everyone, it's me. It's uh, the unbutterable Casey Hills. Casey Hills. Uh, fun fact, uh, Casey Hills Could Have Been Stopped is actually the name of my blog and my one-man book review podcast on which William has appeared a number of times playing Pathfinder with me. Yes. Uh, and this week, uh, we are reading Chapter 7. Uh, Casey, could do you think you could give a, um, a review, quick uh, recap of the previous chapter? Of Chapter 6? J- Jason yes. Meowmeowa? Yes. That's what we, that's what we called the episode anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is. So last time, you know what? I'm just actually gonna read the, uh, the episode description from last time, cause I'm pretty funny in the Fair past. Enough. Oh no, wait, that was a Mesopotamia was the last one. Okay. So last time, Chiron and Annabeth explained a bunch of stuff re-gods and, like, sort of the cultural and spiritual supremacy of the West. Uh, Uh, A highly questionable writing decision that uh, Uncle Rick has acknowledged. Exactly. has worked to do better. Yeah, and as if you hadn't guessed yet, uh, it ended with Clarice and co. uh, playing stupid games and winning stupid prizes in the form of attempting to give a swirly and the swirler became the swirly. Play stupid games, win stupid stupid prizes. When all your horizons go dark with poops, cause you just got the toilet water on you. That's what you get in Aries. Yes. Dancing through life from the hit, the hit musical Wicked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Based on the I, novel by Gregory McDonald. <laughs> Based on the other novel by L. Frank Baum. Book and music by, uh, Stephen Schwartz. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, we pick up after this <laughs> swirling. <laughs> Word of the bathroom incident spread immediately. Boy. Relatable. Uh, which, you, you know, it would. Uh, news travels fast. Don't and, adjust. Uh, and Annabeth, uh, Annabeth Chase just 
soldiers on and just continues giving Percy the tour as what a trooper. if nothing happened. There's a metal shop. Kids are making their own swords and shields There's and an arts and crafts room. Yeah, there is. There's a climbing wall with lava and with... murder boulders. Because why wouldn't there be? Yeah. Uh, and there's a lake, which yeah. is just nice. It really is. Uh, I love a good lake. Actually, you know what? Nah, fuck lakes. Um, I'm, I'm on board with John Hodgman here. John Hodgman said that uh, lakes are terrible and disgusting and filled with dead fish and live fish and fish poop. There's no way to clean a lake. Well, I mean, that's true of every body of water. The, the, no, the, a lake ate the Edmund Fitzgerald. I don't think a lake has done anything good for anybody. I mean, have you ever had a good experience in a river or an ocean? Fuck yes! We go down the river every year here. Wait, the... There are rivers in Arizona? Yes, there are rivers in Arizona. Okay, wait a minute. I'm not going to get annoyed and defend a, Arizona. It's not, it's not just a blasted waste? Fuck this state. No, yeah, there's a, actually a really nice river here called the uh, called the Salt River, which I don't believe is actually salty. But, uh, yeah, it's real nice. You can go tubing well, a, down it. There's only one way to find out, Casey. Exactly. Um, a salination test. The You can go tubing down it in the summer, and it is oh, quite nice. a nice time. That actually does sound nice. It's it's very uh, good. You could bring you could bring a book. You don't care about it getting wet. Bring some beverages. Just hang out. Beverages, my favorite thing. Oh uh, God, I love a beverage. And it, and it, and this leads to a really good line. Speaking of beverages, yeah, go ahead. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> uh, Percy uh, attempts to. Do the thing a lot of people have tried. A lot of people do. It's it's a universal thing where he tries to apologize, but only half asses. Yep. Uh, he tries to say it's my. It, it wasn't my fault. Right. Uh, in regards to Annabeth being covered in, uh, hopefully reasonably clean toilet water. Yeah. Like, ho- hopefully they, they hopefully they keep their facilities reasonably up to cap. Uh. So like. Spoiler, later on in the chapter, we learn that the flatware here at Camp Half-Blood at uh, CHB is is magical to an extent, right? And, like, maybe self-cleaning. So, maybe the toilets are self-cleaning, too? That would be nice. Uh, but uh, she, she shoots them back a look at this. Yeah. And... He has a really, like, nice mature moment of realizing, wait, no, it is my fault. Yeah. And he says, I had to become one with the plumbing. Yep. (laughs) Which is just a banger of a line. Well, it is, because that means he's full of shit, William. (laughs) Oh, that probably did bad things to my waveform. Uh... But yeah, oh, no, he, he he made the fundamental realization that he he had in fact not apologized at all. He said, "I'm sorry that happened." He didn't say, "I'm sorry I did that." Yes. Yeah. Um and Annabeth just kind of bulls past it that you know, he needs to go talk to the goddamn Oracle already. Yeah, you really need to go get your head straight. Which sound, uh, the way it's brought up sounds like most count, uh, campers go talk to the Oracle at some point. Yeah, this is a ritual. 
This, this is a normal onboarding pass. A rite of passage. And he and... quite, quite reasonably says, who? And she says, not who, what? The Oracle. I'll ask Chiron. And I know and... the next sentence is one you have underlined. <laughs> and, uh, they continue the trend that I refuse to let go uncommented upon. You won't um, do it. You're like a pit bull. Of Percy saying, uh, think, internal monologuing, I wish someone would give me a straight answer for once. Nope. And Percy and I are on the exact same page. I know, buddy. I'm sorry. Well, uh, in, uh, in the form of a consolation prize, however, uh, Percy gets a surprise. He looks down into the lake and sees a pair of dames hanging out at the bottom of the lake. You know, like you do, just chilling. Yeah, uh, they, they they seem to be wearing just jeans and t-shirts. Yeah, jeans like in the water. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess if you don't want to be, I guess if you want to make walking just that much more difficult. I guess. Uh, anyway, he trades how you doings with him, and Annabeth and a- immediately chastens him. Ch- chase, Ch- Annabeth chase chastens him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good one. A yeah, good one. it was a good uh, one. Listeners, I don't know if you could tell, but that was a good one. Uh, it, you know it's good because we're telling you it's good. Exactly. That's how you know. Uh, he's like, yeah, she, she, she minorly chastised him of telling him naiads are terrible flirts. Right. Which, uh, is immediately, uh, answered by Percy as that's it. I want to go home. Yeah, that's Which, his, that's the last about, drop. He's done now. Something about with all the things he's seen today. You know, his best friend is a satyr. His history teacher is <coughs> is a horseman. Yep. You know, Dionysus, the god, kind of directly threatened him. Tiger King, Danny uh, DeVito. So, something about you know he he he's. A waterbender. <laughs> uh, something about naiads being the last straw. Just that's it. A pretty lady sitting in the river. That's it. Something I'm done. about that being the last straw is really funny to me. I'm I'm done. Well, and like here's the thing. It sounds it sounds like Annabeth is being kind of a jerk for no reason. Because like, look, I will be the first to admit I am not great at defining what flirting is uh like nobody is nobody well exactly like (laughs) i was once on the phone with a customer and when i hung up one of my co-workers said "Ooh, casey over there flirting with the customers i'm like what the fuck are you talking about i was just being friendly and i it really fucked with my head i felt really bad because like that that approaches a line i'm not comfortable crossing if true you know and that's a Uh, yeah a a line that you shouldn't be. Well, exactly. Well, I mean, your relationship may vary. Like, we're not here to tell you guys how to do your things, whatever. But, like, another thing I realized was, like, if what she heard was me flirting, I flirt with a lot of dudes, too. And then I realized, like, no, it's about intention, right? Like, if you're just being cool, I don't know. A whole different conversation. The point is, like, the naiads just waved to him. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) I mean... I, I mean, there is an implication. I mean, I pick up an implication that they usually do more. Right. But the point is, Annabeth has his best interest at heart because they are walking along this pier. 
they look down, they see these girls, they know that Percy's in a vulnerable place, and Annabeth doesn't want him succumbing to peer pressure. I quit! Show is over. This is welcome to the last episode of the Jackson Two. I'm gonna live a thousand years. <laughs> no, you're not, because I'm gonna find you. I know where you live. Listeners, we're gonna give you a little peek behind the curtain here. So, as William mentioned in the first five goddamn seconds of this episode, not five minutes after we had discussed not doing that, uh, this is a re-record of episode seven because Audacity goozled me. Uh and then after that, we had already done another episode eight, uh, which we just didn't feel great about because it had been too long. We were a little rusty. It had been um, like a month and a half. Exactly. And like we previously. pulled it out at the end. It was fine. It was fine, but not an episode we were super happy with. Uh, so we just decided to do another run up on all of it. And I can already tell you this is 10,000% better than both original versions. But if you yeah. want to hear, uh, the original version of episode eight, that will be available on our Patreon. So just something to consider. Pitch. Ah, pitch in the Patreon early. Pitch in the I Patreon early. Pitch early, pitch often. And, uh, honestly, having to redo these episodes was worth it, uh, enough, was worth it for the peer pressure joke alone because I thought of that last night. <laughs> I, I, I love you and hate you, as is normal for you, I think. Percy uh, Jackson wants to go home! And Annabeth is like, buddy. <laughs> nah, bro. I'm sorry, but this is your home now. Cool. Grabs him, spins him 80 degrees. Here you go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, him and all these the... semi-demi-minigods. Yeah. And they have a bit of a conversation of, the nature of demigodhood. Right. Of, uh, you know, your, 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 Percy, your father did not, in fact, disappear into the sea like... Well, he did. You know, so, uh, like some, uh... Like the crew of the Marie Celeste. He, he's an Olympian. Yeah. And... <laughs> he does the shot put. Yeah. He's the shot put and is vocally uh critical of of China's leadership and then disappears shortly after. Oh, Olympian like the Olympic Games. There you go, buddy. <laughs> I thought you were just no selling my joke like an asshole would no. do. No, uh, no, I I was no selling your joke because I'm stupid. That's a much uh, better reason. Anyway, um. So, yeah, his father is an Olympian. And they make a really interesting distinction here because a couple of times in this chapter, uh, Percy refers to himself and the others as half-gods uh, because they say, you know, half-human camp, half-blood, whatever. And everybody always corrects him and says, no, no, demigod. And yes. that's kind of a distinction without a difference from our perspective, but it's still interesting that they take the time to make it. Yes, I, I get the feeling that that is going to come up as a thing later. Yeah. Well, and also is the uh, also there's the implication that like just the math doesn't work out that like yeah. if it that they are not half god that they are it is some it is far more deluded than that. Yeah. But anyway, uh Annabeth's mom is Athena, goddess of wisdom and battle, and there's a pretty good bit where uh Percy asks who her dad is. And he, and she says, uh, he's a teacher at Northwestern, you sexist asshole. Yeah, yeah he's a professor at West Point. Which West Point, yeah. I like 
how her mom is Athena, the goddess of battle, and her dad is an instructor at a military academy. That did that not just... occur to me. That tracks. Yeah, that, that, yeah. What's what's point? I believe it's um, it's like a marine officer's school. I think so. Was that the one that that uh, young lady insisted on going to in that groundbreaking case? I'm looking that up. First girl on the moon? No. First girl to attend military school. There was a whole episode of You're Wrong, uh, of You're Wrong About, about this. Uh, her name was Shannon Faulkner. Faulkner became the first woman to attempt to enter the Corps of Cadets at the Citadel. That's what it was, not, uh, not West Point. Anyway, um, and it ended up not being worth it because there was a whole lawsuit involved and then they made her life, uh, unbearably, unsustainably miserable while she was there and she left, which was perfectly reasonable to do so. Yep, that sounds, that that sounds like America. Yep. Anyway, um, that's an excellent connection, William, and I, I had not considered that because I don't know about the military. The military stuff is your bailiwick. Yeah, I, I, I have an unfortunate cross-section of historical interests that yep. are shared by, uh... White supremacists? Crazy, crazy douchebags, I was gonna say, but yeah, <laughs> let's just say white supremacists. Yeah, we know, um, come on, just, you know... <laughs> call an Iron uh, Cross an Iron Cross, William. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm really into the Crusades. Yeah, I have a great interest in World War II. Yeah, I have, I have... More than your average knowledge on the the workings of firearms. Yeah, it's just it's it's all bad. Things things which in and of themselves are not necessarily indicative of anything, but if there were to be an unfortunate incident or like a bunch of your old problematic tweets got brought up, people would look and say, "Yeah, we probably should have put those pieces together." If you looked at someone with those facts, you would not be. Uh, Oh, I'm also really into 40k. So. God damn it! Of course you are. You're into Fascism Simulator 2000. Oh god, I I have the. If I was on an episode of Criminal Minds, yeah. I would absolutely. It would be the shortest episode in the world. Oh, there would be There's 45 like, minutes on the fact that you're into 40k, and all the rest would get a 30 second mention. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like, of course this guy's a fucking crazy man. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> so, Ugh. PJ is undetermined, which is apparently an official classification. His divine parent, uh, his father, they are presuming at this point, may or may yes. not send a sign claiming him at some point. And they go into a, kind of a sad digression of, how a lot of kids just never get claimed. Yep. And they stay in Hermes' cabin because he's kind of the, uh, kind of the, he, let's, like, look, this is an unfortunate parallel, but it's one I think that will be useful. Uh, Hermes' cabin is like Hufflepuff house, right? Cause, you know, there are four kinds of kids. There's brave, there's smart, there's evil, and there's miscellaneous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Hermes' cabin is where all the also rattans go. <laughs> Yeah, and they go into an, and that leads into another discussion that I actually kind of, I liked and didn't like. Hit me. But there's uh, a lot of things going on where they talk about. What the fuck are you eating on Mike? 
So, oh, sorry, I have a, a cough drop. Oh, okay, that's fair. I, I, I didn't I didn't know that came through. No, that's reasonable. There, there's a long running argument between myself and uh, friend of the show and fellow podcast producer Autumn Autumn Auton. Uh, there is no such thing as a good podcast snack, and I am constantly trying to find uh, proof that they are wrong. Uh yeah. There's a strong uh, argument to be made for the banana. Oh, I love yeah bananas work. They, be quiet. You you can eat a banana pretty quietly. Yeah. Um. Cough drops apparently derail the whole fucking episode, but that's not on you. you uh, had, yeah. Yeah, you had no way of knowing. Anyway, go on. Um, um, some, uh, of how some camper, some godly children are, they are, they're on different scales. Yeah. Where some children, if you're a child of Aphrodite or Demeter, you are probably not a real powerful force. Which is pretty hilarious if you think about it. Which, I can only assume this is supposed to translate into, like, martial force. Because, let us not forget, Demeter is the goddess of the seasons. Yeah. She is the reason we have winter. Exactly. So, uh... I guess that doesn't... I mean, I guess that doesn't translate... no! Even then! No! Even then! You know what winter beat... In martial sense, uh, both Hitler and Napoleon. Most, most things actually. Yeah! Like, uh, like, fighting in winter is not a thing. No, it's For a the bad vast idea. majority of history. But, I could, I mean, I guess that doesn't necessarily translate directly to monster charging at you. Oh, I'm gonna cause a blight on your crops. You're right. If you want it's that like, millet and sorghum to last, Bucko, you better change course. It's like I, I'm you're gonna smash me into the dirt now, but yeah. in a week, you know your your basil's gonna weep. Haha, ha, right? You see, you say that now. <laughs> so I, I, I assume it's it, 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 it's it's sort of that kind of yeah. that area of power that monstros are looking for right and uh, and the top the top guys your big three your your zeus your poseidon your uh your hades and those cats apparently their god stink is just irresistible and percy asks the very reasonable question yeah uh monsters aren't around here are they yeah like uh, what's what's the local monstro situation What's the what's the and, LMQ, the local monster quotient? And uh Annabeth reassures him that they're not here unless they're specifically let in. Right. Um for, you know, months fighting monster fighting practice or a practical joke. Yeah. Uh which uh is said and then just immediately we're not talking about nope. that. <laughs> Glossed right over. Yeah, from the outside, mortals look in, into the valley and see just a strawberry farm. Yeah, a strawberry field. So they, they, presumably, this place has a local reputation that, like, you just, you just stay away from the strawberry farm. Just leave them to do their thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah, cause, cause why, why are you going to the strawberry farm? There's no reason to inquire about the strawberry farm. Exactly. The, the strawberry farm will not hurt you. Just do not make eye contact with the strawberry farm. It is an aggressively mundane thing. Yeah, it's like the dog park. Just leave it alone. Anyway, so 
these kids get shuffled off here, and there's a pretty pretty good bit about how they they get ignored because the gods are you know notoriously terrible parents. And PJ thinks to himself, uh, I thought about some of the kids I'd seen in the Hermes cabin, teenagers who looked sullen and depressed as if they were waiting for a call that would never come. I'd known kids like that at Yancey Academy, shuffled off to boarding school by rich parents who didn't have the time to deal with them. But gods should behave better. And which I like that. You know what? I like that a lot. That, I also like that. Um, the relationship to deity as conceptualized in different religions is deeply fascinating to me um much like you much like you have a potentially problematic relationship with military history and firearms culture um i i have uh had a potentially problematic uh borderline obsession with with judaism culturally and religiously i've i've gotten cooler about it i've stepped back anyway but yeah, um uh but I've noticed. <laughs> but one of but one of the things is that all of the all of the like the cool rabbis I follow, like the the lady rabbis and the trans rabbis and the you know the ones the ones who are actually leading yeah. like Judaism as it is a living force today, um, talk unanimously about how hey God, what the fuck is a perfectly valid and holy form of prayer that um. Yes. Holding your god to account is actually one of your obligations as a believer. Um, the the name Israel translates to "he who wrestles with God." There you go. And uh, that's a that's a very good drop in, William. Well done. I'm impressed. I'm not surprised, but I'm impressed. Um, yeah. And anyway, just the idea that Percy is just hearing about these gods, and his first thought is, those fuckers need to tighten their game up, um, is yeah. is refreshing to me. And admittedly, that's that's coming from the perspective I have, which is, you know, I went to a Baptist school, was raised Christian, and the idea was that God was like this distant, unknowable thing that you don't get to question, and the, the perfection is like... Um, American Christian relationship with god is a very particular thing yeah um exactly and i am not prepared to touch on that for a lot of reasons um not the least of which is because i haven't actually been in that conversation for a long time now but just the idea that percy hears about these gods and his very first thought is to like take them to task and demand that they do better by the lives they are responsible for creating uh is pretty fucking cool i like it a lot it it also speaks to you know, Percy can kind of be a little shithead. Right. He's 12. Yeah, which, you know, that... He is a 7th grade child. Yeah. Of course, I'm 33, and I can too, so who knows? <laughs> the Middle schoolers are the worst form of humanity. Correct. Too old to be cute, too young to be smart. Uh, But it, it, it does speak to a strong good conviction he has yeah there's there's there is material for a good person inside him and it is it is being forged and formed but anyway so some campers stay there year round for safety because either because they don't have anywhere else to go or because the amount of god stink on them is so potent 
and attracts so many monsters that it makes them a danger to others for them to be anywhere else. And the camp is warded against monsters, so they're relatively safe here. Yes. Um, and Annabeth is one of these year-rounders. Yeah. As <laughs> she's been there seven years. William, tell me about the necklace. I want to hear about it. I want to hear about it. <laughs> and to indicate yeah. this, she pulls out of her t-shirt a leather necklace yeah. with five clay beads of different colors. Yes! It, it was like just like Luke's, except Annabeth also had a big gold ring strung on it, like yeah. a college ring, which... Uh, we were talking about catnip earlier. This, I know this kind of detail is catnip for Casey. It really is. And honestly, it's, it's not just that it's a detail. I do love details like that. I love, I love the amount of care and like thought into the mechanisms of this world that that displays. But I am a huge fucking fan of like ritual ceremonial shit like that. Well, uh, she goes on to explain that each of these beads represents a summer there. And that when you complete a yes. summer every year, they come up with a new bead design and paint it on there and you get one for surviving. So like just the idea that it's this token, this uh physical representation of the year you spent there and that you can collect them and have this, this, physical tangible like marker and representation of your time in this place is just fucking catnip to me give it to me please yes yeah i i appreciate it i love it a lot like we were talking about going to the river earlier and like every time we go there i pick up a little tiny pebble from the bottom of the river and when i get home i take a sharpie and i write down you know, like when we went and who we went with. And so I've just, I've got this little collection of pebbles and it's just for me, but like I can pick one up and be like, oh yeah, that was the time I dove down to the bottom of the river and I found a grody old t-shirt down there. And then I decided to let that handsome devil be on its way and it floated on down the current. And, uh, we talked a little bit in the pre-show about how I've, I've rearranged my bookshelf, uh, autobiographically where now it's it's rearranged in a timeline of when I read these books and when they were important to me, and how having these things anchored to times in my life and my memory is really interesting and cool and kind of sad, but in a good way, you know, like a good melancholy yeah. kind of way, like a good like a good sad Christmas episode, and um, yes, and having just these these beads tangibly representing her time in this place in her home is um you know what clearly i'm a fan i'm gonna stop talking about it uncle rick i like it good idea i hope that was based on something real william would you like to make friendship bracelets absolutely okay listeners we're all gonna make friendship bracelets and exchange them uh, i have some instructions we'll post them it'll be cool anyway so yes annabeth is a year rounder uh she has been here for longer than most of the counselors who are now like college age and Percy asks the, I feel, cromulent question, but yep. it's also a very personal question of why did she come here so young? Because she yep. says she's been here since she was seven. Yeah, how'd that happen? That uh, is way too young to be anywhere on your own. And Annabeth uh, says, I, I am not going to answer that today. Yeah, how about you, you mind your own damn business, son? You, you have not unlocked this friendship tier. Uh, exactly. You really need to put some more points into your S meter there. You need to have more events uh, after you get out of school every day, like go to the ramen bar or the batting cages. Yeah, you got to persona this shit up. Yes. Uh, God, Persona 4 was so good, wasn't it, William? Never played a single game. Really? 
a lot of my friend a lot of my friends recommend it heartily. It's just it's just one of those games that has a it takes a billion hours to play. So. It's true. Um I recommend Persona 4 Golden and I think that one's on Steam. So maybe yes, look it up. It is. Um 5 is really good and that's all. Like I don't you know, I, I didn't finish it. I don't have any special desire to return to it. But Persona 4 Golden is a very, very special game, and I would actually be very interested to hear your thoughts on it. Maybe we could make that appreciated. Persona feature. 5 had a Warriors spinoff. Uh, yes. And Persona so, 5 Strikers. Yeah, which I hear is pretty good. Um, It's actually a direct sequel, not a spinoff. I haven't played it. Don't, really? Don't really care to. I'm fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is a really weird series. Oh my god, William, it's so good. Okay. So it's a spin-off of the Shin Megami Tensai games, and the whole point is that Of course. Is that it's not unlike Pokemon in that you fight guys and you can convince them to you you don't capture them, you can convince them to join your team, and all of the monstros represent like Jungian archetypes and shit like that. And you can fuse them together to create new ones. And it's William, I it will be if it were any farther up your alley, you would be Joe Chill and they would be Thomas and Martha Wayne. Oh no. Yeah. I I'm not a fan of that comparison. <laughs> anyway, check him out. Um the Persona games are really good turn-based RPGs with really cool social mechanics. I recommend them. I don't know why so many of them have dancing game and or fighting game spin-offs, but I hope people enjoy those too. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you a damn thing about this series. Anyway, um, if you if you're if you're gonna try it, and I'm not saying you have to, but if you're going to, Persona 4 Golden is the best of them and uh the most readily available, I think. Anyway. Yes. Anyway, uh so Percy PJ changes this topic. Yeah. Uh and asks uh, when when she was feeding him ambrosia while he was unconscious. Yeah, when she was buttered popcorn pudding girl. BBBG. Uh, she said something about the summer solstice, and yeah. she explains that something has been stolen from Olympus. Yeah, something is weird. She could feel it last uh, time she was there on our annual field trip. She dropped like a teenager who talks about how, oh yeah, when I was in Paris this summer. Yeah, which, I mean, apparently it's a annual field trip, so I guess it, so it, I guess it, to her, it really isn't that big a deal. Right. Uh, and it's like, yeah, this is just a thing that happens. Yeah, we just why, go to Olympus. Why would I? Why would I talk about it like it's special? It's just yeah. a thing. We uh, go to that place from Clash of the Titans, and we, PJ. We, we go to the Empire State Building. We go to the six hundredth floor. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's just a thing. There you go. And, it's uh, not a big deal. It's all very humdrum. And it, it has another line that is very good, and right. I'm almost certain Uncle Rick included it just to like keep the New Yorkers off his back. <laughs> uh, where, as far as I knew, there were only 102 floors in the Empire State Building, but I decided not to point that out. Yeah, good call. Because <laughs> I... He knew that if he didn't point it out, some New York fan letter would come to his door and say, uh, sir... Some Andrew Orsi motherfucker. Uh, Andrew Orsi, you're the only... 
good thing about New York. Andrew Orsi is the best. He just got a job. I'm not sure what it is, but he gets good a monthly him. book stipend. Uh, I'm gonna assume it involves books then. I, one would hope. He's a construction worker. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um. I would totally work for a construction company that gave you a book stipend. I, I just want to see what that looks like. For real. Anyway, so PJ is stuck there for the duration of the summer at least. Unless yes. he gets a quest. And it is not a coincidence that there is something weird going on with the summer solstice and something has been stolen. And Annabeth is, she is, she is just jonesing for that quest. She wants it. She needs to get the hell out of here and start her life. Yeah, she she is just, uh, like, this is what she is here to do. Yeah. And she will not be convinced otherwise. No, and, like, it's reasonable. She's 12, and she's been there five years. And, like, look, you're not you're not a living, self-aware person for the first, what, four or five years of your life? Something like that? No. So she's been there more than half of her life. Yeah. She needs to get the fuck out while the getting is good, which is completely understandable. And, like... There's this, there's this conversation about like, you know, she wants to, I, I, I don't feel like any of the demigods of the major guys like, like her could talk about great deeds and heroisms and quests outside the context of, and also my parent will be proud of me. Like she doesn't say that out loud, yeah. right? But that's gotta be part oh, of yeah, it. Oh yeah, no, that, that, uh, uh, you know. You can't have this sort of thing define of your existence, basically, and not right. be, have that be some level in your consciousness. Yeah, because every one of these characters is comes from a broken home, right? Broken yeah. in the sense that one parent abandoned them. Not not to say that one parent families are you know broken or flawed or imperfect or whatever. Like different strokes for different folks, but like. Being abandoned by one parent is traumatic for both child and parent, and so every yeah. every character here is traumatized in that way. So, um, and that's actually a realization that's occurring to me as I'm saying it right now. So that's yeah. that's interesting because Annabeth is presented as this. So, like, I'm I run our Twitter account, uh, the underscore Jackson underscore two, and you know I try to find us cool people to follow and. There are a lot of Annabeth fan accounts out there. Oh yeah, and I I, be- I, I, I can easily see her being the ensemble dark horse of this game, this book. Yeah, and like I, I'd be lying if I said I understood what it takes to make an account specifically to be a stand for one specific character in a book series. Uh, I applaud the energy and the concentration and the follow through, but like clearly something about her speaks to people because she's a badass. She's extremely competent. Yeah. Um, there's, <laughs> there's a video I'll send you of a guy. Uh, he runs a YouTube channel called Mike's Mike. He's hilarious and he watches the first movie and he, he repeatedly refers to Annabeth as a girl boss and then decides that Percy is such an incompetent jackass that he is her, he is her boy employee. <laughs> So they're oh, gr- no. girl boss and boy employee, which is about right. But oh, anyway, no. like she's she's an extremely competent character, and not in like a um, not in an artificial way. Like not to make yeah. not, not to cast Mary Sue aspersions, but like it would be easy to do that, you know. And having her be yeah. this this developed, flawed but still strong and good character was 
a really good call, especially for a portrayal of a young girl in the early 2000s. Yes. But listen, William. Barbecue. Yes. He, they finish their conversation. He goes and talks to Luke. And Luke has, uh, gotten him a sleeping bag. Yep. And, and some necessities. And here, I stole some toiletries from the camp store. Yep. I, I couldn't tell if he was kidding about the stealing part. Nope. But, Hermes, God of Thieves. Yeah, God, uh, God of Thieves. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So here's, here's a question, William. This occurred to me. Yeah. Um, so, these gods exist, we know this now, or at least these things we refer to as gods, because that was alluded to. Uh, Chiron mm. didn't say the Greek gods are real. He said the forces the humans refer to as the Greek gods are real. So that's maybe a different conversation, but how would that change your view of morality, if you knew that to be true? I... huh. Because, like, Hermes is the god of thieves. Like, how wrong can stealing be, you know? Well, that is a question that is actually quite good for, at least with the Greek gods. Yeah. Because the Greek gods, the, the source of the Greek gods, never claim to be morality tales. That's true. It is. The gods are not moral authorities. They are, they are merely authorities. Yeah, they are in fact quite amoral. Uh, Hermes being the god of thieves does not make stealing immoral, he is just the person that the thieves talk to. Yeah, he is the manifestation of the concept of thieving. Yeah, he is the person that they talk to when they need a favor. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's just interesting, so like... Um, I, I think this changes depending on what god... Like, what gods are you talking about? Well, that's, an, that's an interesting assertion, William. Because so, if... Because if the god, if, if, quote, the gods are the Greek gods, that is their persona. Right. That is a different question than if it were the Egyptian gods. Right. Because they are, while there are overlaps in the pantheons, they operate on largely very different, um, tracks. Right. And that's without getting into, like, the Hellenistic Egyptian period. That's a whole separate thing. We're not getting into that. Yes. Um, I had a conversation with a friend about um, uh, I, I forget what the name of the book is, but it, it's one of those all mythologies are real things. Love it. Love it. Yes, please. But it, it was very bad. It's oh, a very okay. bad book. Yeah. Um, that happens. Because they, <laughs> um, because they um, depicted the Greek gods in a very binary good and evil method. Right. Which is not their thing at all. Not how that works. But the Greek gods are actually kind of unique in that, in that very few pantheons had this level of capriciousness in it. Like yeah. you talk about the Egyptian gods, their whole thing, a big thing about the Egyptian pantheon is... The dichotomy between order and chaos. Right. Not um, necessarily good and evil, but order and chaos. Um, a lot of, uh, Mesoamerican pantheons are similar. Um, 
And that shit, like, from our perspective, that's some blue and orange morality stuff. Because, like, yeah. to us, the idea of a god that demands, you know, blood sacrifices, whether or not that actually happened, I'm not a historian or an anthropologist, don't at me. Um, Like, the idea of that being your source of moral guidance and authority, or just a spiritual one, uh, seems fairly alien to us. Or, um... Norse gods, they were not necessarily good or evil, but e each particular god, you generally knew what they were about. What their deal day. is. Yeah. Meanwhile, in a lot of Greek mythology, while each given god had their, like, portfolio, where it's like, you know, Ares is a god of war. Right. But on any given day... You have no idea what he's going to do with that war. Right. War is a lot of things. Um, or Poseidon. You don't know what he's going to do in all his shit. Like, he might just chill with you and talk to you like about the ocean. some philosophy. Yeah. Or he might, you know, turn you into a horse and... Eat you or Ride you into the sunset. I don't know what Poseidon does with horses. And I think, yeah, I honestly, uh, there's there's an intersection and overlap there with the idea, with the contrast between polytheistic and monotheistic relationship to deity. Because in monotheistic religions, uh, like Christianity, like Judaism, to an extent like Hinduism, to the extent that there is a Hinduism, which is, in fact, a white nonsense idea. It's a million interreligious uh, yeah, religions. No, it's it's kind of like how... I, I, Good. I'm not even gonna touch on the the things I know about Hinduism. I'm also fairly certain I don't know. Well, exactly. Yeah, and like Hinduism is not unlike India in itself, in that the white dudes got there and said, "Oh, well, you're all just sort of the same thing, aren't you?" And uh, yeah, <laughs> not the case. Anyway, only like, barely, only barely. So, like, those are are frequently, not always, uh, about the individual's relationship with deity and belief and faith, and you know, things that are very much emphasized, of course, in in modern evangelical Christianity to an extent, almost as much as money is. But um, yeah. in polytheistic belief, there tends to be a much more transactional model. Like, Poseidon doesn't care if you love him. Poseidon cares if you make an offering at his temple, and then he will make sure the fish come in for you. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't care about how... De like, devotion is an immaterial de thing. Devotion as service, yeah. If you're asking Poseidon to do a thing... You better have something to offer him in return. Make it worth Poseidon's while. And it's also a thing of some belief systems offer a moral component to their behavior. Right. Like, um, in a lot of Egyptian, um, belief systems, there, there is a, there is very much a, this is how rulers are supposed to act. Right. Component. This is the way of kings. Uh, whereas, in, you know, Greek mythology, th there is no moral tale to this. No, the gods this is are just doing what they do. We gotta figure our shit out on our own. Yeah. It, it, like, the, the only, like, at best, the only lesson there is don't be a peeping Tom on Artemis. Yeah, exactly. It, it ends poorly, if nothing else. So, like, and that's, that's morality like, in its purest form. If you do this, something bad will happen to you. But it's also not helpful because 
only Artemis has the ability to turn you into a stag. Exactly. Well, and yeah. set wild dogs on you. Yeah. Forever. I don't know. It just, it uh, sparked a really interesting root in my brain that I knew would be a good conversation to have on here. And I was right. I enjoy um, the deep shit. Me too. I have two brief recommendations for you and for the listener. Speaking of God of Thieves, there is a book by Scott Lynch called The Lies of Locke Lamora. Um, which does Ooh, not... Uh, that sounds Scottish. Yeah, I, I was going to say, not Scottish. His name is Locke. L-O-C-K-E. His name is Locke oh. Lamora. I know, I know. Me too, I know. It's not. It's <laughs> a fantasy, it's a fantasy story, uh, taking place in one of the most interesting worlds I've ever read about, uh, and he is a servant of the god of thieves in a, in a pan, like, polytheistic society. Except he has to lie about it, because god of oh, thieves. No. It's very good! I recommend it, it's good. Um, also, William, there is, uh, a series called The Craft Sequence by author Max Gladstone. Um, the first book is called Three Parts Dead, and Ooh. I'm not even going to try to summarize it. Um, I, you know what? I just might have to buy you a copy. I think that's probably what I'm going to do. That's Go probably, ahead. That's probably just going to be easier. Anyway, I recommend the shit out of them. But yeah, um, just briefly, when you talked about the e- Egyptian uh, relationship with morality, like in the new Moon Knight um, run by Jed McKay, which is excellent. I'm enjoying it a lot. Like, uh, Mark Spector kicked his own god's ass because Khonshu, like, failed, failed to live up to his bargain, his duties, his, like, because Khonshu's whole deal is that he's the god of the moon. He is the protector of those who travel by night, right? Whatever their deal yeah. is. And he failed. He didn't fulfill his own duties and obligations. And so Mark Spector said, fuck you. You're still my god. I'm still a priest, but I am serving these ideals. I am not serving you anymore. Get thee hence, lord. And so now he's, like, basically a rogue apostate priest uh he's a he's a church of one out there protecting folks in the night um i don't know anyway Remind, Moon Knight, very good i recommend yeah. it so R- reminds me of certain uh arcs of captain america god yes captain america, captain america is not a servant of america the entity no he is a servant of america the ideals yeah which we've Almost universally, do not live up to. No, 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 we certainly do not. Uh, and America's his response to that is not to, you know, throw the whole America in the trash. His uh, response is to grab America by the lapels and shake it until it, you know, shapes up. Steve Rogers refuses to die until things are better, and that is a threat. Yes. Speaking of which, did you see Spider-Man: Far From Home, the newest? Or no Way no. Home, the newest Spider-Man. I, I haven't. I haven't even seen Far From Home. Uh, Far From Home is good. It's definitely the middle installment of a trilogy. It's it's good. Like, see it definitely. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is incredible. Um, but No Way Home. It, is... it almost always is. Exactly. No Way Home's incredible. Uh, it made me cry a lot, even though that is just my default emotional response after I turn thirty. But anyway, um. There's a bit in there where, this isn't a spoiler, uh, they're putting a giant Captain America shield on the Statue of Liberty, which is... Oh, that's just, that's funny. It's pretty good, but here's the thing, they're putting it in her torch hand. They're not putting it on the hand she's got down here, so she's just like, 
Hold it. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway. Okay. So Luke scrumbled him up some human necessities and a sleeping bag, and he is good to go. And PJ just feels like he doesn't even belong here and says as much. He says, I don't belong here. I don't even believe in gods. And Luke says, yeah, who among us? Right. Uh, that's how we all started. Once you start believing, it doesn't get any easier. And this is going to be my last theological digression of the episode. I promise, listeners, you have been most patient. Although, odds are, if you've listened this far, it's because you love this shit. So, I don't really know what I'm apologizing for. But uh, if that doesn't describe my life, I don't know what does. This is the Ramblecast uh, also starring Percy Jackson. Whoa, Black Betty! Ramblecast! <laughs> um, oh. so, so, that reminds me of one of my favorite uh, bits in DS9. Which is when, uh, brief breakdown. I know what you're talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about. So there's this slave race, essentially, um, who are created to serve this other race, uh, biologically, genetically engineered, and they call them gods and they worship them and revere them and rah, rah, rah. And eventually some dude talks to one of them. I think it's to Wayun or one of the Jem'Hadar and says, uh, you know, why do you, why do you treat them like gods? Um, you know, they just programmed you like that genetically. They just programmed you to, to worship them and serve them. And the person says, that's what gods do. They create worshipers. And, uh, that knocked me on my ass. And I still, that was years ago and I still don't know what I think about that. I think about it all the time. Yeah. No, DS9 is some good shit. DS9 is some Uh, very good shit. Also, very good shit, Babylon 5. Yeah, uh, you've mentioned. Uh, if you love DS9, you will love Babylon 5. It, it, it honestly almost feels like a, like almost a bizarro universe version of the same show. Do I have to have seen Babylon's 1 through 4? <sighs> Had to be done. I love you, Casey. Had to be done. I, I, you, you hold a very special place in my heart. Back at you, bud. Uh, all right, maybe I'll have to it's, check that uh, out. I have been looking for something new to watch. Uh, I rewatched the pilot, not the pilot, but like the, the, the miniseries of uh, the O3 Battlestar Galactica. That shit holds up. Oh, yeah. Um, also, uh, uh, as an older man, I now realize that uh, Edward James Olmos as Bill Adama looks shockingly like my father. And I'm not prepared oh, to no. unpack that yet. So moving on. Uh, we're, we're not, we don't have time. Uh, nope. Yeah, just, uh, anyway. <laughs> Babylon 5. Babylon 5. Very good. <laughs> good shit. Uh, the opening episodes are very strange right. because it had a very strange production history. Sure. Um, uh, if you look into it, it is a common uh, opinion that uh, the fifth season is junk. Sure. I do not believe that. It is weaker, but it is still worth it. That's fair. Um, the weakest it, link of a strong, strong chain. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it's one and it's also one of those shows where the background information is almost as interesting as the show, just because a lot of weird shit went down behind the scenes. Sure, none of it none of it's bad weird. It's just the fact that they went through that and still turned out an excellent show is just. Mwah. And was that did Berman make that? Who who? No, uh, that was uh, J. Michael Straczynski. Okay, well, what was the other one Roddenberry worked on? 
uh, Andromeda. Andromeda, that's right. That movie is, that show is junk after the first season. Sad. It's oh, wow. really sad. Um, what you gonna do? It, uh, watch the first season and the first season only. There you yeah. go. Well, we can't all be space cases on Nickelodeon. Anyway. Wow. So, 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 so. So, um, Luke gives him some stuff. a bit of a spiel. And he, 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 you know what he does? He counsels. Mm-hmm. Because he is a counselor and yeah. he is going to do his job well. In the truest sense of the word. Yeah. He he talks about you know, you know everyone here has a rough time, but we are here to look after each other. Correct. The campers here they're mostly good people. After all, we're extended family, right? We take care of each other, and like, uh, not true. No, but I, I very much appreciate the sentiment. Well, and that's an application of like modern familial paradigms to a family that predates those paradigms, right? Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's what Luke learned growing up watching Family Matters and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still, it's, it's a nice thought. And you know, and, and you know what? He stole toiletries for PJ. That's not nothing. If that's not taking, if that's not taking care of him, what is? That's not nothing. And, like, so his dad is Hermes, god of thieves. So stealing to him is uh is not necessarily an intentional act of devotion. Like he didn't necessarily do it in the name of Hermes, but it's still but, within that purview, right? Just like and he's also the god of hospitality. Exactly, he stole toiletries in order to provide hospitality. Give, yeah. Yeah, well, and what is Percy if not a traveler, right, who has come to their door? And similarly, like, Annabeth and her plan to to get a quest and get out of here, like, that is a manifestation of her Athena nature. That is an act, whether or not it's an act of devotion, um, it is an act that is within the circle of her mother's portfolio which is which is go out and do shit exactly it's very good and like the the subject of worship is kind of tiptoed around in these books which i think is probably the good call but like even if we accept okay these are the gods they are real they are responsible for stuff did they create humans we're not touching that moving on but like yeah nobody suggests that they worship their parents right no but they do act in ways they do frequently act in ways that are aligned with their parents yeah and they do in one way or another. and they do offer them honor and and respect and sacrifice and stuff i don't know it's just cool and i like uh, i have many feelings and i can't make them all come out into words um anyway i know that feeling so hard suffice it to say this this book makes us feel and think many things and I know I say this every time, but it's true every time. And it's not just this show. It's every show I've ever done. 20 minutes before we started it, I was like, why the fuck am I even doing this? I don't have anything interesting to say. It's just, it's a book. I that's, read it. I read it. I enjoyed that's it. That's never true. Like, what's what's the fucking point? Why am I even doing this? Nobody even cares. I mean, I mean William and I care. But, like, that, that's just that's just the self-talk and the doubt and the whatnot. But, like, uh, this book is very good. It makes me feel and think a lot of things. And... 
Uh, William, I'm, I'm sorry, I frequently feel like I monopolize the talk on this show, but, like, you could no. just punch me if you wanted and you haven't yet, so. No, I mean, I, it is never true that you have nothing to say. <laughs> that is, and that applies to multiple, uh, meanings of the phrase. Fair. <laughs> uh, and you are... You are one of the smartest people I've ever known. Back at so, you, bud. Whatever you have to say, I am here to hear it. Oh, and you're also funny, so very you know. kind of you to say. Uh, derailing this monologue with compliments. There, there you uh, go. Elegant, honestly, well done. So all of that done. Um, Annabeth has been jonesing for a quest, as we know. Quests have been forbidden uh, because Luke goozled but, something yeah. in the Garden of the Hesperides two years ago. Yeah, he messed up, and Chiron has just been like, nope, we're not doing this no more. Nope. Uh, which, funny, I don't know if this is what this is supposed to be, but the way it's said, it implies Chiron, it's, it implies Chiron, instead of getting a prophecy from an oracle, just said, uh, the oracle said no more quests until this happens. Oh yeah. To avoid sending people out, which you know, Chiron should know better than to mess with prophecies. No, that's they always yeah they always bite you in the ass. They really do, especially when you've got one the size of his. Yeah, yeah, because he's a horse. But yeah, that's that's an excellent point. I could see a grown up doing that. Like we talked in the pre-show about how I've started doing um just brief three card tarot readings for my agents at work during our uh, like our little mini meetings we're supposed to have um not to waste time just to like you know get them a read on the coming weekend it's a it's a sort of social psychological emotional thing anyway i'm not to, i'm not here to defend myself you, to you people you, you you could totally see someone doing a tarot and saying this means you have to turn in your reports well exactly like i genuinely considered cuz they can't see it i'm remote i send them pictures of the cards but like i genuinely considered just making up good news bullshit like, just telling them, like, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do, like, turn in your reports, that'd be me, but just, like, to make them feel better, right, to give them, like, a yeah. little, a little, a little of the good, the good happy juice in their tanks, but it would be disrespectful to, like, my position towards them, and it would be disrespectful as a person who tries to be an ethical card reader, even though I don't believe they're magic, you are, you know, asking yeah. a person to let you like into their worries and emotions and what they think about stuff. You are as you are asking for a moment of vulnerability. Ex that's exactly that. precisely it. Yes, and even, um, even if it is a small, somewhat silly moment of vulnerability, yes, it is still something that needs to be respected. Exactly, and uh, yeah, so I, I I could not bring myself to do that, and I'm glad I didn't because I could not have begun to make up the weirdly, spookily accurate shit that those cars brought up, even though I do not believe they are magic. But we talked about that in the pre-show. Anyway, yes. I have a theory that the cards are magic, but they're only magic as long as I believe that they aren't. Yeah, that is uh, some Roger Rabbit shit. Exactly. Anyway, so, quests have been forbidden, um, and Chiron says that Annabeth Chase, ABC... Can't go on one until, quote, somebody special, special comes up. to camp. Yeah. Now, William, this is an interesting thing that just occurred to me. So, 
based on the brief interactions we saw between uh, Annabeth, between ABC and Luke, uh, she takes one look at Luke and she would like a bite of that cake, please. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She, there is no way you can convince me in this world or the next that Annabeth does not have a gigantic, stupid teenage crush on Luke. Exactly. And fair play to her. So it's got fair play. He sounds dreamy as shit. No, for real. Like, like grade A hunk, USDA certified lean. Um, that was a reference to the killer's song, The Man. I was not being a creep about a fictional uh, teenage boy. Anyway, um, <laughs> so it's a really good song. Anyway, uh, so it's a really interesting wrinkle and complication in that, that yeah. the thing she wants most in the world, she cannot have because of him. Yes. And also, and he is also a thing she wants. <laughs> yeah. And, and Luke is like, uh, you are 12. No. Exactly. Yeah, and she's like, I'm a woman! And it's like, no, you're, you're real, you're real not though, girlio. God, I've gotten to the age, dude, where like, somebody calls into the, you know, the place where I work, and I'm like, okay, can I have your, your date of birth? And they're like, yeah, you know, uh, 519, 1999, and I'm like, God, you, I, you fucking sonogram. Just, why don't you go grab a Capri Sun and put a grown up on the phone? Oh, yeah, no, um, feel free to cut this bit, cause, I don't know if it's yeah, yeah. Uh, appropriate. I worked as a history tutor yeah. uh, over the summer uh, once. And let me tell you, it is almost impossible to predict what voice is going to come over the phone. <laughs> yep. When you're in uh, the midst of high school, you can have someone who sounds yep. like a cartoon Christmas elf. Oh, absolutely. And someone who sounds... Like a fifty-year-old man. Yep. In the same class, and they are the same age. Yeah. You know what? One can be the same person at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. Yeah. It's. It was really. It, it was the funnest uh, fucking roulette I've ever played. That's fantastic. Eddie Izzard talked about that in one of her specials about how uh, she wished like puberty was just one day. That you just went to yeah. school and it's like, all right, mom, I'll be back. And then you get home and you're six feet tall. And you're like, I'm going to go get a job with a drill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I, oh, that would have made things so much easier. I know. Uh, You've always wanted a job with a drill. Anyway. Yeah, it, it, it's who I am as a person. I, I respect it. Honestly, you're like, uh, you're like Edward from Final Fantasy VI, not from Twilight. Anyway, it's... Dinner time. It's um, dinner time. Nymphs and dryads and naiads. Oh my! Everybody is breaking up into uh, like either their tables by cabin or or by like type. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the 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 campers stay, stick to the campers. The I guess they're staff. Kinda like the because the, the terms of employment and service in this camp scenario are not clear are and unclear potentially worrisome but yeah i mean i mean he keeps mentioning he's seeing satyrs and all various manner of other people but they're always in they're always working they're always in service positions so, so are like are these just the groundskeepers i don't know and are, I, they, are they getting that's paid? what i would assume are they bound like what are they getting out of this i don't know 
It's not great. Sure. Jorts the cat would tell them all to unionize. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they should. They uh, really should. Unions are pretty great. Unions uh, rule. And, and like, to be clear, the, let us, let us not mince words. Are unions f- flawed human institutions that are, you know, corruptible and imperfect? Yeah, absolutely. They are also the best of many terrible options. <laughs> Right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, like, it's better than just letting your employer do whatever they want to you, dudes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it, the, the book indulges in one of my favorite tropes, which is magic food. God, I love magic food. Uh, and they, we've brought up this before. Uncle Rick does, is not, like, he's not, you know, uh. Brian Jock. Brian Jock. I was, I was trying to remember his first name. Right. Uh, Peace be upon him. He's not, he's not George R. R. Martin. He doesn't go into great detail about no. the food. It's, it's usually only just a sentence of, this is what's on the plate. Yeah, but, but it's he, a good sentence though. But, but, but it's, there's always just enough to tell you it's a good plate. Yeah. Grapes. Uh, apples. Strawberries. Strawberries. Cheese. Fresh bread and barbecue. That is a winning and, spread. And, Something I need in my life. Uh-huh. A magic glass that gives you the beverage you speak into it. I would pay $100 a week, every week, for the rest of my life. I would willingly sacrifice a finger. I was gonna say, uh, like, a pe- not even just like a pinky, like my left middle finger. I would do it. And Luke says, speak into it, whatever you want. Non-alcoholic, of course. Which... Is either a joke because Luke's cool like that, right? Or uh, this is a very ancient Greek table. Yeah, and it will one hundred percent give a twelve-year-old wine. That's the question, it, isn't it? Ask. Yeah, inadvertently saying so much, right? Um, and Percy Jackson's beverage of choice is the thing that got gave me all the reason to forgive and. Uh, be on his side I need blue cherry coke cobalt blue cherry coke and for some reason the fact that he used the word cobalt uh, j- just cinched it for me um, yeah it's it sounds gorgeous and I don't think I I don't think I could drink it without thinking it tasted weird but um, it, wait was it cherry oh. coke or cherry pepsi cherry coke it was cherry coke all right but still, so what would you fill yours with, William? What's, if you could, if you had one right now, it no, could be any beverage. Cherry Coke. <laughs> Fair enough. Cherry Coke is, by a significant margin, my favorite of the standard, uh, sodas. That's reasonable. I never thought that one. I mean, I mean, if we're sticking to like standard sodas, if we're not, there is a company called Bundaberg. Okay. <laughs> it is a, um, Australian. Every fucking time I think I'm the beverage hipster, you bust shit like this out. It is an Australian craft soda company. Okay. They're most well known for ginger beer. Sure. And it's a really good ginger beer. It's like, I don't like ginger beer. I like Bundaberg ginger beer. Uh, they have a guava flavored soda that is uh, it is my, it is one of my favorite things. Ooh. Now, William, like, 
It, it is helpful that the only place I can get it is a grocery store quite far away. Right. Because I would, I would get cases of this stuff if I could. Mm-hmm. Two things. That reminds me of uh, the fact that I do not like root beer. I don't think root beer is very good. There is, however, a brand called Henry Weinhardt. Uh, that is... Henry Weinhardt is the shit. It is the shit. God, it's good. It doesn't surprise me that if you don't like normal root beer, you would like Henry Weinhardt, because Henry Weinhardt is... I don't know if it's a full legacy recipe, but it is an old-fashioned recipe where they have a lot of, like, herbs and stuff. Yeah, there's vanilla. There's You can chew it. It's God, it's good. Um, Oh, oh, buddy, a root beer float with one of those babies and some vanilla bean ice cream? Mm. That is almost too much. Call that a weekend. Anyway, uh, yeah, regular regular root beer is just like spicy brown, as far as I'm concerned. But so, uh, what's the difference if there is a difference between ginger ale and ginger beer? Ginger beer is well, t- typically the difference is strength. Okay, strength um, of what? Ginger gi- flavor. Ginger. Okay. Um, Ginger ale is a much milder uh, ginger flavor. Ginger beer is harsh. Okay. Um, if you like ginger, it is the thing to do. Okay. Um, it also, in my experience at least, the carbonation is also significantly harder. Oh wow! Than ginger beers. Um, okay. I don't so know it's, if that. So it's just ginger ale's like big brother who will kick your ass. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a product of, uh, like adding more ginger to the mix just makes that, fl- makes that sensation feel stronger. Right. Or if it's actually more carbonated. Hmm. Um. Probably makes the anti-nauseac properties more potent. Oh yeah, no. Um. The, uh, part of the reason I like Bundaberg is that it tastes like it's made with legit ginger. Oh wow. Because Sometimes ginger ales and ginger beers, it'll taste ginger-y, but yeah. not, like, not an artificial ginger, but like a ginger, like, derivative. Yeah. Almost. Bundaberg tastes like there is like it's actual, a, like, like, it's like, a tonic. Almost. Wow. Like, like there, there, there's actual, like, I think there's actual, like, mash that gets into wow. the bottles. Yeah, because, like, a week ago today... Uh, the reason we didn't record last week, um, I was uh, very ill. I was making many offerings to the porcelain god. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that uh, I see a lot of people on, like, my Twitter timeline talking about how they have this stomach thing that's going around. A lot of people got oh, a, yeah. a flu bug with, a lot, with, like, a lot of really similar symptoms. And then uh, a report was released saying that Omicron BA2, the variant that's now the most prevalent in the United States, has much stronger gastrointestinal effects than most previous variants. Huh. Interesting. Anyway... Um, <laughs> we've doomed ourselves to an eternity of dealing with something that was preventable. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, gonna drink some actual beer. Go for uh, it. Uh, anyway, uh, but so I, I was very ill and I just hung out and I watched Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It rules. Uh, Simu Lu is the best. And I thought, you know what? I'm very sick. Uh, I'm gonna order some ginger ale. So I had a I had a DoorDash come bring me some ginger ale and some crackers from the CVS. And I haven't had ginger ale in probably 15 years because we're really? we're not allowed to have it in the house because why not? Picture it, William. 2009. 
Lincoln City, oh, or- no. Lincoln City, Oregon. Uh, oh my, no! My now wife and I are in my room at my parents' house. Uh, we are both sick at the time, uh, hanging out on the couch in my room. My room had a couch. I was cool, and uh, you sound cool. I was very cool, William. Uh, and we're hanging out, and we're both sick, and we're watching TV or whatever. And my mother, uh, in an act of kindness, brought us both ginger ales, uh, and we reached to take them. What we did not know and could not have known until it was too disastrously late, is that my mother had opened the ginger ales before handing them to us. And we were wow. lying down on the couch, and the love of my life, my my darling Mocha Mouse, took a full double snoot of, of Diet Verner's straight up the nose. Oh, no! And she she can't to this day. She cannot and will not. Um, so like that, that, that was a joke. She doesn't forbid me from having it. I just don't like it enough to have it and she's not going to drink it. Right. So anyway, I, mean, I do. Well, that's fair enough. Anyway. So I got three bottles of Schweppes just cause I didn't know what was good. And like, it's fine. It didn't make my tummy mad, you know, but it didn't I taste, mean, it tasted like a soda, I, not like a, not like a, yeah. not like a, yeah, a, a lot of the, um, mass produced, uh, ginger ales are very low in the actual ginger content. Yeah, it didn't taste like an herbal tonic. It wasn't a potion. Uh, I wanted a potion. If you want a potion, Bundaberg. Bundaberg. Okay. It, um, there's also one called Cock and Bowl. Okay. Um, it's, uh, in an aggressive red can, red and black can. Sure. Um, it's very, it will it will clear your sinus. All right. Uh, uh like, it, like it was the first time I'd ever had ginger beer, and I took a sip, and I had a visceral reaction to it. All right. Like, I it wasn't an unpleasant reaction. It's just I physically couldn't stop myself from going. Whoa. <laughs> Just because the ginger flavor and the carbonation was that strong. Fair enough. And I was not expecting it. I might have to check that out. This, is, you know what, William? Um, William this is a good episode, yeah. dude. Uh, both can usually be found at like State of Brothers. So it's a, a good episode. We're talking about a lot of good stuff. I hope stuff. so. Yeah, I hope you guys have been um, enjoying it, listeners. Anyway, so we're so getting, we're so that close, was so William. Talk. We're so close. <laughs> We're literally one page away We're from We're one page. To the uh, gods, everyone says before eating. And before eating, they do a ve- something very important. Mm-hmm. We talked about ritual earlier. The opposite of communion. They they line up next to a brazier in the middle of the eating area. Right. And drop a piece of their meal into it. Right. Not just a piece. Which, the choicest piece. Which is actually similar to actual ritual in ancient Greece because it was believed that uh, the gods subsided on the smoke of the burnt offerings. Correct. That whatever, like, I don't want to say mana, that's not the... Yeah. Like, whatever yeah, vital mana. substance is in th- that the... The quintessence. Uh, gods reside off. It lives in the smoke of this good, good stuff burning. Correct, because it is infused with, if not belief, at least devotion. And 
PJ is skeptical. very skeptical. Yeah, reasonable. Until he does it. And the smoke gives off the smell of every good thing he has ever smelled in his life. In his life. Fresh-baked bread. Cookies, brownies, hamburgers, wildflowers. His mother's perfume, probably. Just everything that is good in the olfactory realm is in this smoke. Yeah. And it doesn't clash, and it all works. And PJ is basically like, okay, yeah, you can Yeah, I get it. All right, fair enough. Which is a very... Which, honestly, that, that that's usually not the response. They're usually like, yeah, but maybe still. It's like, no, no, he's convinced. Yeah, no, he's, he's, on, he's on board now. He's seen a lot of shit in a very short time. <laughs> and this is kind of the positive version of the Nyads thing breaking him. Um, breaking Nyad. There's something there. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, this is kind of the positive version of that where this is the the final straw towards, like, real acceptance of his situation. It reminds me of a line in Restaurant at the End of the Universe. Yeah. Where Arthur Dent is Dent Arthur talking Dent. to somebody. Oh, I, can't, I, I can't remember the quote exactly, but he says, I've seen so, so many weird things in such a short amount of time, I haven't had the chance to freak out. Right. I'm sure one of these days, I'll just start screaming and never stop. <laughs> yup. <laughs> oh, Douglas Adams, we miss you. Oh, Douglas Adams is the good shit. Our nation turns its lonely eyes to you. Well, yeah. uh, even though he's British. Yeah, well. Uh, so PJ says, quote, I could almost believe the gods could live off that smoke. Now, what's interesting, yeah. William, is that there is a note, and I don't know if you have the annotated edition like I do, but it says specifically that there was an earlier draft where the brazier that they scraped all of their stuff into was shaped like a bird that it had. It was like a heron. The head was was kind of extended over the actual fire pit, and the wings encircled forward, and they actually made the brazier thing there. And uh, it was the camp mascot, actually, Brazier Crane. But then they got sued. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. The, the last thing you see in life will be me. <laughs> Listeners... It's been a long week. I'm feeling goofy. This is uh this is a really fun way to decompress with my buddy William and I hope my bullshit uh is I love you guys. to the moon and back. Yep. But you will meet your end at my hand. I am the Fraser. I speak for the cranes. Anyway, uh, there's a really good Twitter account called Fraser looking at video games, which is exactly yeah. what it sounds like. Like uh he'll be standing at his window looking out over Seattle except instead of Seattle they've photoshopped in like Yarnum from Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Anyway, so uh they've done they've done a communion. They have offered their thing like Cain and Abel did to YHVH uh back in the book of Genesis. And uh they have a lovely dinner together. Later on there's a bit of a meeting. Mr. D introduces PJ as Peter Johnson. Or something like that. Something like that. There's a campfire song, there's some mores, and Percy finally begins to feel at home. And I think it's I think it's like you said, like once he did the thing and he smelled the stuff and he was like, oh no, this is real. Like this is happening. 
Um, yeah, that, that that probably anchored him. Exactly. A lot. More than he realized. Yeah, so he finally begins to feel at home. Uh, then it is bedtime, and it's time to miss his mom, and then it is time to fall off the planet. And it is time for a... Another good line. It's is it? A jump line. Hit me. I wish I'd known how briefly I would get to enjoy my new home. Fuck! Which... If that doesn't get you intrigued for the next chapter, I don't know what would. That, honestly. And, and that next chapter is what, Casey? It is called We Capture a Flag. Yeah. Yeah. Having, having a good time out in the woods. It's pretty good. I'm all about the sports. I play them all the different ways. Uh, but yes. Casey. What? <laughs> with the chapter concluded. Do you have Motherfucker. a Brunner Award? Are you quizzing me for... William, I'm so proud of you. Absolutely, I have a Brunner Award. My Brunner Award goes to the beads thing. Because, man, yes. that is good. Yes. I yes, wish yes. I wish that I had, like, when we moved here... We moved here fucking, like, I think, like, eight years ago or some shit. I should have, I should have started doing that. I should have made, like, a thing... A token for every year that we've been here. And that's the kind of thing you always wish you had done, you know? But, like, yeah. it's kind of bullshit. Like, I, I just finished reading James Kachalka's, uh, Kolchaka, forgive me, Kolchaka's American Elf, which was a 12-year project of daily diary comics he did. Um, I love them to death. They're really good. And I thought, you know what? I could do that. And I drew a couple. And, like, the ones I did when I had a good idea were a lot of fun and I enjoyed them and I was really proud of myself for drawing a thing because I'm not a drawsman generally. And then every day I was like, man, I just do not have anything to draw a comic about. And so when I think about the idea of like, yeah, I better make a note so I can choose this for the subject for my bead for this year. Like if, if you, if you have to do it in real time, it's probably not as cool. And it's really cool to think of no. as an idea to have done. Yeah. I with that sort of thing, it's like, do it when you have a good idea. For exactly. Anyway, so that's don't, my brunner, is the beads don't, thing. Don't, don't, have, don't do a comic that's just, I had a cheese sandwich for lunch. Because that's the only important thing that happened today. Exactly. <laughs> and when James Kachalka did it, uh, Kolchak, I've, I've got it mixed up now, um, a lot of his are really boring, like, slice-of-life family stuff. And they're sweet and they're wholesome because he's a great artist and the art can do like the heavy lifting there, right? Uh yeah. I am not. <laughs> so anyway, um yeah, the beads thing, I love that to death. What about you? What's your what's your brother award? Um I have a couple candidates. Okay. I but really only one liked one. the I really liked the whole thing with the smoke. Mm -hmm. Um insert we joke here. Uh, ha Harold and Kumar go to camp. <laughs> Uh, God, that would be awful. Uh, <laughs> good for, good for I, John Cho, right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, good for him for turning out kind of normal. Yeah. I mean, he, he just, like, went on to do, because it's really hard to move out of that kind of comedy. And a lot of, a lot of actors yeah. never pull it and, off. Uh, and even when you do, it can kind of become a millstone around your neck. Exactly. But he, he he's just kind of a normal actor dude. Yeah, he's just kind of a guy who does to goes and does stuff. Um, like I mean, how you Seth Rogen can do as much cool dramatic shit as he wants. Nobody is gonna unhear his goofy stoner laugh, right? Yeah, not how that works. Um, 
Anyway, what's yours? But I, I think my winner is Luke for just being a cool guy. God, he's counselor. the coolest. Because um, I think I talked about this early in the book where he talks about his mom, where a lot of YA fiction, it can be very... It can be very adversarial between the kid yes. characters and the adult characters, especially the parents. Uh, it's very common for if you know for younger teens in fiction to be very adversarial for older teens. Yes, it's very nice to see this older kid who is you know he has a job, yeah. but he's also just there. He's to at work. Help. He, but he is also his work is helping the kids. And he is clearly very serious about helping the kids. Yeah, and good at it. Yes, I would totally peg this guy for youth counselor stuff. Totally. Yeah, Luke's the coolest. And 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 he he has just enough anti authority authority stuff, like stealing the toiletries, to be cool, but not enough to actually cause problems. Well, yeah, delicate balance. Exactly. Like that's the chaotic good talking a little bit. He's got like a couple drops of it in there. Yeah. Oh, like he, well, I can't believe we fucking neglected to mention this. He pulls a switchblade on PJ. Fuck yeah. He, so PJ, he's returning to the cabin, and he asks Luke about his dad Hermes. Right. And he just. He just casually pulls a switchblade and starts picking his shoes with it. Like seaweed like, stubs. Dude. Honestly. Chill. Like, have you gotten that I'm kind of a bad boy yet? <sighs> Jesus Christ. It's great. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so Luke's the coolest. That's that's an excellent runner. So, next week, ne- next episode, yeah. we're going to be doing chapter 8. Do you have a flag? flag. Yes, absolutely. So we will find my my favorite Eddie Azard joke: uh, conquering the world with clever use of flags. Correct. Next week we'll find out: Will PJ embark on an exciting new career as action plumber? Why doesn't Mister D just ask his glass for Diet Coke that tastes like wine? And was Peter Johnson a dick joke? You can reach out to us at. The underscore Jackson underscore T-W-O on Twitter. We would love to hear from you. We are struggling to find followers because there are a lot of Percy Jackson fan accounts and a surprising amount of them are from the Philippines. And those cats are super cool, but they don't have much to say to us, and that's fair. No, because we do not speak Tagalog. We do not. Get at us. Uh, you can email us at thejackson2pod at gmail.com. If your message is nice or even entertainingly mean, we will read it out loud if you want us to. If you would like us to, uh, please let us know how you would like to be addressed. Similarly, if you would be so good as to write us a review, uh, we will read it out loud. Those are super helpful, and we would appreciate it. As of right now, we have none, and we'd like like help. We, we need that. Do, do stuff for us. William, what else can the people do to help us? Uh, they can join... Patreon and give Patreon. us money. Okay. Like for what though? Real human currency. Well, they have options, sir. Okay. Have, we like options here is, in America. There are, there is the $2 tier, okay. which gives early access to episodes. Access that, that is granted as soon as you can get it edited. Which Correct. Is generally pretty quick. Yeah. When it turns uh, out episodes aren't corrupted sand files, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, say lovey. Uh, there is a five dollar tier, Ooh. which 
five human dollars. They which gives access to exclusive free shows. Yes. Where we talk about the nonsense we got up to in between uh, recording sessions. Particularly good videos, pre-show. Such as videos game. Yeah. And movies and uh, various musings on esoterica. Correct. Uh, I forgot to do a Casey's Comics Corner this week because I was talking about how I just commissioned an oil painting. Uh, which is a conversation that must not be missed when, it, when, and if it ever comes to pass, it comes to pass. It will. I've already paid for it. I certainly hope it will. But I'll, uh, I'll have to. Oh, it better. Yeah, we'll have to bring it to the fore here and discuss it. Maybe, uh, maybe the artist will become a fan of the show. But yeah, the the, the pre shows are a lot of fun. It's where we, you know, shake out the, the silly gooseberries. Nobody wants them here at that farmer's market. We got to stay loose. Got to stay sharp. Yes. Yeah, because clearly exactly. we were all serious business. Uh yeah yeah we did we didn't get distracted nope. on Long's change of nonsense at all during the episode. No, nope. we're professionals, sir. Yeah, and or madam and or gender neutral guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I also uh, realize that does not cover the entire spectrum. I'm sorry, I would not want to try and embarrass myself and fail. Uh, whatever you are, we love you, and your rights are just as important an hour as ours, and we will fight for them. Uh, physically, if need be. Yeah. Um, so that was the, that, and that's just the five dollar tier. Shit, we'll, we'll punch your oppressors in the face for only five dollars? That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Uh, for ten dollars, you you get to suggest a movie. Yeah. For a monthly movie review. Uh, we have not started on this, but nope. we will when we have the fodder for it. Well, yeah, when somebody um, when somebody takes that bait. Choices are subject to approval. Please be cool. Uh, we, we will, will not, not watch. Be, be cool. cool. We won't do it. I will watch. Be cool, but Casey refuses. I'm gonna die one uh, day. Um, and for the te- the twenty, the uh, an entire gross of human American nope. dollars. <laughs> nope, that's a score, William. We did this last episode. <laughs> a, a gross is a hundred and forty four, buddy. I think or a hundred and twenty four or something. Oh, uh, I, I was trying to do a joke. Oh, it, I'm sorry. Fine. Uh. An entire score of human American dollars, twenty dollars to zero. Right. Uh, you get access to uncut episodes because we are deeply silly. We have we make jokes and tangents that don't make it into the uh, cut. It's we true. Sometimes uh, our word mouths stop working the way we want, and we just sit silently yeah. trying to respond to a quote uh and those get cut out of the normal episodes but if you want to see it may strain belief but like what you guys end up hearing is actually a considerably sleek or slimmer product than what we started yeah, with that that's us being concise yeah that's the distillation if you want warts and all episodes twenty dollars put into patreon.com Slash the Jackson Two, all one word. Yeah, you'll get them. Go, you'll By get God, them. you'll get them. They're great, and, and, and every tier includes all the tiers below it. Correct. So that'd be very helpful. You are not obligated to do that. Uh, we would just appreciate it. 
And now... And if you do want to give us a gross of dollars, uh, I'll be, like, your personal assistant for the day. That's true. If you want to do that, that's a promise William is willing to make. And I will be willing to enforce. And now, listeners, uh, a new ritual that I just thought of. Uh, we're going to give you a tarot reading for the week ahead. William can see I am shuffling these cards. He can yeah, confirm. We are doing a simple three-pull. Correct. We are doing a three-card spread uh, for your week ahead. Casey, while you're shuffling those and making a very good sound... Thank you. Uh, can you... Uh, Tell the inform the uninitiated on some of the basics of the concept of tarot. Certainly. So a deck of tarot cards is seventy-two cards big. You have the standard ace through king suits. Uh, there are four suits: wands, which represents fire and creativity and passion. Uh, you have cups, which represents water and emotion. You have earth. Uh, you have coins or pentacles, which represents earth and material matters and frequently money. And you have swords, which represents air, movement, and intellect. Um, and those line up basically with the four uh, suits of modern day playing cards. That is ace through ten, and then you have a page, a knight, a queen, and a king, who are, of course, uh, roughly analogous to a jack, a queen, and a king. And you got an extra one in there. And then there is the major arcana, which are unique cards, of which there are only one. Those usually have much stronger meanings. Uh, just for the record, I do not believe the tarot are magic. I believe that they are the letters of an alphabet you can use to speak to your sleeping and silent self. But this is your guidance for the upcoming week. Uh, make of it what you will. I'm going to do a three-card spread. The first card is going to represent the theme for your upcoming week. The first one is the Seven of Wands, as William will confirm. Seven of There are seven wands on that card. And this is just a basic Rider weight deck. This isn't even the one I use for my personal readings. This is the one I use for my agents, since it's nice and neutral at work. The second card, representing the uh, the mindset you should be in, or the, the emotional stance, or the theme you should apply to yourself, is the Knight of Cups. William, would you please confirm? That is a knight, and he has a cup. Very good. And the action you need to take, or the thing you should arm yourself with, is the Nine of Swords. William, please confirm. There there are nine swords on the wall and a man who looks like he's crying. Okay, so, let's take a look at my book. The Seven of Wands, the upcoming theme for your week. Your ideas or beliefs may be challenged, sufficiently for you to feel the need to defend your position. While you may meet with opposition, the Seven of Wands indicates that you can win through in this situation and overcome any obstacles put before you. To do so, you need to remain calm, have confidence in yourself, and possess the courage to stand up for what you believe in. Uh, that would have been a lot more apropos if it had come out this week like it was originally supposed to, given that yesterday was the day of trans visibility. But still, that's a message that is applicable, I believe, all year long. Stand up for yourself. Yes. So that is your theme for the upcoming week. The mindset or, or place you need to keep yourself is the Knight of Cups. Let's look that up real quick. Oh, by the way, if this is super boring to you, like, if you just don't give a shit, or if, like, your personal system uh, does not allow or encourage divination even for fun, uh, that's totally fair. You do you, dog. Let's... Yeah, we, we, we accept all uh, types of 
belief in regards to this. It's true. The Knight of Cups, which is the space you need to occupy uh, and the thing you need to ready yourself with. Let's see. The energy this knight symbolizes is always felt on an emotional level. He represents offers being brought to you that will be accompanied by a high level of excitement. Due to the element he represents, the Knight of Cups is the one to look for in relation to romantic invitations or proposals of marriage. For those in the arts, he often brings interesting work developments or offers. So this is being ready to accept new things and being on the lookout is what I'm getting. So you're supposed to be prepared to be challenged. You're supposed to be on the lookout for opportunity, not necessarily romantical, but still offers being brought to you that will be accompanied by a high level of excitement. So you're supposed to be on your guard because there are challenges coming, but with those challenges will come opportunities if you are prepared to take them. And the action with which you need to arm yourself, not necessarily the one you need to take, but the one you need to arm yourself with. The Nine of Swords. Let's see here. This is a bad card, William. Oh, no. This card often shows feelings of suffering, disappointment, and despair. Yet once more, we are reminded that the swords, as you can confirm, William, in the art here, the swords do not actually touch the person. It may be the fear of them that creates the problem, and therefore the negative emotions can become self-perpetuating. Seeing the matter clearly, symbolized by the owl, releases you from it. Usually it is our fear that blinds us, making what might happen worse than the situation uh, appear worse than the situation really is. So you're you're gonna have some challenges, and that's fine. But you, but keep a clear head and everything will be okay. Keep a clear head, be prepared to see challenges as opportunities and see the possible benefit in the trials and difficulties you've got coming up on you. And Always remember things are never as bad as they seem, and these events only have as much power over you as you allow them. And do not allow the fear of what might happen to change you or guide your actions as if they are already happened. Be strong. Um, you can do this. Unless unless the situation is orcs. Correct. In which case, this situation probably is as bad as it seems. Yeah. And uh, unless the situation involves nine actual swords coming at you, in which case I think my advice has probably reached the end of its usefulness. Yeah, if you have a bad situation that involves nine entire swords, we have no advice. It's true. Consult consult an esquire. Consult yourself and figure out how you got into that. (laughs) Exactly. So ends the reading. Is this just because I'm super into the Sesamero on TikTok, where a dude does tarot readings with a deck of Sesame Street flashcards? Who can say? Anyway. I would like that. I'll hook you up. Don't worry, you're good. Anyway, uh, this intro is, this outro has gone long enough. Thank you very much, listeners. We love you all. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Eat the blue food. Drink the blue cherry coke. And we'll talk to you later. Kapla! Kapla! Kapla!